Welcome to Movies Inc, the business of film, here to inform and entertain on all things film business. I'm Sarah, founder of ES Collab, an executive producing and business affairs company based in New York. And I'm Charlotte, a film and theatre producer based in London. Each episode, we're joined by an awesome guest, producers, lawyers, executives, or creatives who have been there, done that. They've made the big and small films, the films no one saw and the films everyone saw. And they're here to tell you all about the big and small mistakes they made, what they learned, and hopefully impart some advice about the business we call film. Hello, across the seas. How are you? I'm good. Week six, episode six. Um, we've got your old boss on the show. Indeed. Sharon Menzies. Indeed. Superwoman. She is a superwoman, honestly. Runs a multinational film financing company. Has like a very nice work-life balance. Gets shit done. Knows her shit. And then at the end of the day, has a nice little gin with her friends and her family. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't let anyone get away with nothing when they're using no. her money. <laughs> no, she's no, she's one badass woman. Yes. But she was she was definitely the best first boss that anyone could ask for and she was a role model and definitely someone who made themselves available and answered as many questions as I ever had and yeah, genuinely was just awesome to work for and I'm pretty sure that anyone who currently works for her would probably say the same good I love that (laughs) well maybe you can help me then if you've learned to answer questions from her Mm. because I think what we talk about in the in the episode today a lot is centers around the producer offset legislation in Australia and other offset or gap financing programs around the world which aren't obviously kind of my bag Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the time so there's been some changes to the offset can you just take us through I mean a little bit about the history of it yeah I mean uh I guess to understand this episode and to like you know not be totally lost for those that don't know what the producer offset is it's the tax incentive or the tax rebate that's offered by the Australian government so if Previously, if you made an Australian feature film and you were an Australian production, you would earn 40% back of your qualifying Australian spend. 40%? 40%. That's amazing. That is bloody amazing. And yeah, it's great. It is very certain. It is very safe. You, if you get the green light at the start of production from Screen Australia, that you will get your 40%, you can then safely know that at the end, once you complete your film, that provided you don't deviate too much from the budget or what you had said your qualifying spend would be, you will actually get that 40% back. Yeah. And then for TV, previously it was 20%. But now as of July 1st, 2022, TV is going to be bumped up to 30%. Uh, and then also gaming video game production will also be eligible for the the producer offset, which is amazing and great. Um, but what Fulcrum does is they actually, much like any cash flow debt financier, they will lend against the tax credit. So you'll get your 40% at the end of production, but you might need that at the beginning to actually make your film. So um, they will lend you a portion of that rebate upfront and then they'll be repaid at the end once you complete the film. So, and I think it's safe to say that 
over the past 10 years or so of the scheme, it's, you know, really helped to lift the industry and to attract those big Hollywood productions that otherwise our craftsmen and, you know, our practitioners wouldn't get to work on those massive budget films, which has been fab. I think I remember the Daily Mail or some other newspaper ran an article about how the Australian taxpayer was paying 40% of Tom Cruise's tax bill or something <laughs> yeah. without taking into consideration the fact that that production coming to Australia injected, you know, $100 million into the industry and the wider industries, the service industries, hotels, taxis, caterers. There's, a you know, yeah. so many people who benefit from that that actually it's not, we're not, they're not handing out free money. Yeah. They're investing in creating jobs and uh, yeah, yeah fantastic. I mean I will say that there is some contention when it comes to the location offset and the big Marvel films that shoot in Queensland in that the while it's invested in crew and you know like you said in everything that happens below the line that some of our local producers sometimes get sidelined and that's something that yes. SPA the Producers Association in Australia really advocate for. Certainly and I mean I think in the pandemic, there was so much production came down under in order to continue shooting because Australia didn't have COVID like the rest of the world did. And it was, I think, for a lot of local producers, it felt like then they couldn't make anything because the American productions were coming in and taking all the crew and for sure taking yeah. all the talent and going, cool, we're going to pay everyone double because we can afford to. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. In effect, we love the offset and we love that there's these changes, which a lot of people in the Australian industry that we've spoken to on this podcast have been kind of the people fighting for those increases because it's such an important piece of the finance puzzle in order to get not just those big Marvel films made, but, you know, all this, all the dramas, the Australian made dramas and the Australian stories that we love to see on the screen made. So Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let's move on to the episode. This week we have Sharon Menzies. Sharon's led the team at Fulcrum since the company's inception in 2008. Fulcrum is a cash flow financier for film and TV in Australia and New Zealand, having provided debt finance to over 300 film and TV projects since inception. Film and TV productions that they've helped bring to life include Lion, 2040, Bluey, Rake and Little Monsters. Amongst Amongst many, 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 many others. Amazing. We should also say that Media Super is one of Fulcrum's uh, biggest investors. And they, so effectively, a lot of people in Australia through their superannuation scheme are cash flowing amazing film and TV projects, which is very cool. I used to be with Media Super. I no longer am. (laughs) (laughs) Only because I moved countries. I'm sure they're fine with it. (laughs) They didn't miss me. They didn't send me flowers or anything. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, a drop in the <laughs> drop penny in the bucket definitely the bucket. Uh, on my theater wages yes anyway let's get <laughs> going with Sharon welcome to the podcast Sharon so just to kick us off would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do I set up Fulcrum with Emil Sherman and Barry Sekos coming up 12 years ago now I'd spent 10 years in the UK in film and TV and um, prior to that I have a banking background and I guess we left we left London sort of shortly after the London bombings and what have you. My husband's from Scotland, came back to New Zealand. It's just, you know, it's beautiful. It's very quiet, um, complete sort of lifestyle change. 
But yeah, I guess a year after being back in New Zealand, the producer offset was um, set up. So we took that opportunity to to set up Fulcrum and haven't looked back since. Um, we've got um, three different um, Fulcrums with different investors and all for you know different purposes. Fulcrum 2 is backed by the superannuation fund and of course very um, conservative but also really supportive of the industry in Australia and then um, Fulcrum 4 which is our latest one is backed by a North American bank um, which has been a brilliant relationship just in terms of being able to share financing information sort of around the world yeah and we I think we've done over 350 projects now and we've got just under 200 million under management each year wow, wow that's amazing <laughs> So I find that a lot of emerging filmmakers, when you're kind of looking at the universe of film financing, don't really understand what debt finance is in a very simple, easy to understand debt finance explanation is. I liken it to like um, house ownership. So debt finance in in the film industry would be like having a mortgage on your house. It's a loan. It needs to be repaid and there will be security over the assets that you are lending against as opposed to the equity or the money that you would put into your home like as a deposit or what have you. Yeah. Very awesome. simple. <laughs> yeah. My, my pet peeve is when investment and debt finance is used interchangeably in one conversation yeah yeah and I guess yeah I refer to our the people behind our funds as investors so yeah it can be very confusing so from a debt financier's perspective what is it that you care about in choosing your projects Oh, look, it all starts with the producers. We like to know our producers or, it's, it, you know, we really do have to know our customers. We like to work with producers that are reputable, that um, completely know what they're doing, can understand it. It just makes the whole process a lot, you know, a lot easier. But I think the other things that we look at are, yeah, reputable producers, production companies. If not, if it's an emerging producer, then it's really good to have an executive producer on board, whether they're helping you on the financing side or whether on the creative side. Obviously, we don't sort of cover um, the creative side whatsoever. So we would be working with executive producers on the financing side. And that makes it easier because it's a bridge between you and the emerging producer so that they can actually understand why we need certain things and and then the exec producer can relay it back as yes this is industry standard or no that's not other things we look for uh sort of come back to the financing who are the co-financiers who are we who are we working with is it screen australia and the state agencies or a private investors where is that money coming from is that money real will it turn up also we look at just in terms of eligibility with the producer offset we're looking at um, your distribution arrangements are they real who is it with is that distributor going to pay is it going to cause any problems with final certification and we also look at sort of what's going on with um, in Screen Australia as well, just with the producer offset unit, like what they're looking at, reinvestments, you know, are just not looked at very favourably at the moment. And so just we're looking at all that different finance and does it sort of, is it eligible and is it sort of within the intent of um, the producer offset and also the New Zealand grant. Sorry, what do you mean by reinvestment when you're saying that it's not looked on favourably at the moment? 
So the reinvestments, and you'll, you'll see this in the change to the producer offset reform that is in Parliament at the moment, is that historically overheads have been more and increasingly more invested. So you will see in those reforms that overheads are no longer form part of the qualifying spend. And we're starting to see reinvestments like a post-reinvestment the post houses is providing services, but then say reinvesting 30% of its fee or 50% of its fee, there will be a write down on, well, there may be a write down on the qualifying spend by that amount of reinvestment into the finance plan. Okay, cool. So essentially what you're looking for is really, it's an objective criteria and it's a risk assessment on your end rather than a creative decision. Yes, absolutely. So we don't get into creative whatsoever. Unless, I mean, we do look at the synopsis and and maybe the script just to make sure that it's not offensive for our investors, but we we don't look into creative at all. Would there ever be a situation where a debt financier is interested in the creative? Yes, definitely. So if if you're a debt financier and you're putting in gap finance or even sort of cash flowing pre-sales, then you'll you'll have a very big interest in in the creative aspect of the film. Because the gap finance, that's that's really the risk money on how the film's going to perform. So you'll want to make sure that that what you've agreed to in terms of like budget, production schedule, cast is actually what what comes out at the other end so that it's it's able to be sold and sold at good prices so that you can recover your debt. Okay. Shall we move on to your first project? First project. Oh, gosh. I think our first project, it was like, I think it was the second one to go through the producer offset. And it must have taken like months to close. The legal bills were astronomical. It was really, I guess it was groundbreaking because you you have to set up all the documents and how it all works and the process and the structures to make sure that everything is, um, your your tax offset is completely safe. Yeah, that was that was pretty hard work. I would say, I would say that that closing probably was a good four to six months. That's nuts. Really, and is really that difficult. just because you didn't have any templates, you didn't have a streamlined process, like you were a new company doing this for the first time? Yeah, it was all new to the lawyers. It, um, it was new to everybody. So it was just going through the criteria to try and create a, a structure around that. So I guess we did that. We'd looked at the structures like and how, how you would do this before that first project, but there's nothing like that first project to really cement how you sort of work and, and making sure that all, all the details are covered. Right. What, yeah. Were the rates with that first project the similar to what they are today or were they like a lot more to cover the initial startup costs? <laughs> oh, a little bit more, I would say, the rates. Um, they, they were comparing it within the bank to sort of aircraft um, leasing. Oh. The legal fees were astronomical. But again, sort of probably on the on the the sort of you know legal fees that you'd see in North America normally on large productions. But afterwards, the bank did come to us and say, if we're going to move forward with this, we need a margin of around eighteen percent to cover the internal costs of the bank. And that's when we realised that um, that was not going to work whatsoever. A margin of of eighteen percent. I mean, I've never seen it in my banking 
banking life. <laughs> um, so that's when we we went out and got funds underneath the fulcrum umbrellas. What's one thing that you wish you had known before coming into the film industry? I looked at this question earlier and I was thinking, what would what would I like to know before I came into this industry? And I think this is this this time, like setting up Fulcrum is really the second time I've come into the industry. Because when I was in the UK, that was sort of the first time and it was sort of all encompassing and um very sort of full on and then I stepped out for a year and was um, doing some banking work in the Pacific um, and then so I came back into it feeling like okay I know this industry a bit better now um, I'm coming it in coming into it on my own terms but one of the things that I find is that I would like to know is how to switch my brain off I constantly think of like ways to solve finance and um, financing problems <laughs> or banking issues or financial structures or security and and um, constantly like in the weekend I was thinking we have a project at the moment that the producer we are cash flowing the producer offset I think and the producer just needs a couple of hundred thousand like during the production period and and that will be paid on delivery when the distributor pays pays them money but to add to add to like this is a, a small Australian indigenous project but to add to the the legals and the financing complexity of banking a distributor which involves sort of like due diligence on this distributor looking at their annual accounts and what have you looking at their um, structure entering into a notice of assignment so that we've got a direct contractual privity with them that's a big thing for a small production so you right. so I spend my my spare time thinking about well if we did this and what if we did that and sort of looking at producers cash flows and well what if we cash flowed this a little bit later and so <laughs> all of those sorts of things it's just like I need to be able to switch off so I think somebody should should have um, taught me the switch off button before I started in the industry and <laughs> that's what enough. I find now when we um I've discovered now that I, um, when I go on holiday, I need to go on an active holiday. So we recently took up, well, I recently took up skiing again because I have to concentrate so hard on getting down the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you can't think about finance I plans do as not well. think about work. It's amazing. <laughs> My sister and I are making our way through the great walks in New Zealand because I'm just thinking about that 20 Ks uphill and not thinking about work and um, what have you. But we just recently did one where on at the first hut, uh, I realized that I knew one of the, the people there and he was a district, um, he's retired, <laughs> but he, he was from, from one of the major distributors in New Zealand. So we were discussing theatrical windows over like this West Coast sunset. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. <laughs> oh, I know. But do you, um, do you think that's a good thing though, in that it, it seems to suggest that you found a career that you really love doing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But um, when you start thinking about security, that's when I think it's like you've just gone a little, little bit too far. When you want to, when you want to call your lawyer on Monday morning and go, what about this? This is actually, yeah. What do you think about this? Am I okay with this? Just talking about due diligence. Do you find now that you know all the distributors and you know a lot of the producers in Australia and you do have those relationships, do you ever get awkward moments where people go, oh, can't you just? 
Can't you just let this one slide, Sharon? Can't you just say yes? Can't we just get this signed off quickly? And you're like, no, we've got to do this all the correct ways. It's not my money. I have to make sure it's safe. Yeah, I guess uh, when you've got project that's that has a completion guarantor on there, then I think that's that's a different prospect because you have got your bonder there and what have you. If you're working on an unbonded production, say like with TV, then you do need to look at accounts and um, and figure out, you know, have they got is that producer of substance that they can actually complete, deliver, and what have you. Most of the time, if it ever becomes difficult, because New Zealand and Australia, they're very small, then what I would do is we would sign NDAs or I would get them sent directly, like if we're working with the North American Bank, I would get them sent directly to the North American Bank. So, you know, if they were really felt very sort of precious about it, then, then yeah, I don't need to see those. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's it's just one of those sort of awkward questions, really, when you're cash flowing entities as well. But even entities like with big companies, if you look so like Hulu and, and Disney, and can you use the Disney accounts and the credit rating? And how does that, you know, how does that all work? But I find doing all of that quite fascinating. <laughs> When I was on that course in Queenstown, we went through the in New Zealand accounts, just it must have been the June account. So last year, so sort of um, we were into like the COVID lockdown and um, but we had to review them without the notes. And yeah, absolutely fascinating. But that's a sort of like, I love that stuff. Sorry, you're you, blazing over. Yeah, I'm blazing over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'd like that stuff too. <laughs> the, the due the the financing stuff the security stuff I love all of that stuff but the due diligence I think I could I could take it or leave it I've sort of I've learnt to love security but I think security for me is your really last port of call like it's yeah. there and it should be sort of belts and braces and all the rest of it but you will do everything possible like I've never enforced security in like 22 years on a film project, touch wood, because you can, you know, you can find other ways to do things. So it leads us to any film where things went off track and how you fixed it and then how you took that to your later projects. Yeah. So we did have a small little film, which, I mean, I loved this film actually, and the producers, for various reasons, all very valid, took the post-production to the UK um, when they, it was meant to be in Australia. There's a portion of the post-production, it wasn't everything, but it was en- enough to reduce the qualifying spend so it did affect the producer offset. And there was a completion guarantor on, on that one and they weren't aware either. And I think the lesson from that was just sort of you've got to be across everything and um, you've got to be, you know, you've just got to be checking everything. You just can't rely on the fact like there's a completion guarantor there. So we'll definitely get that qualifying spend or what have you. So I guess from that, we now have a dedicated resource in Fulcrum that are, you know, looking at cost reporting. Yeah. And I think on that particular project, we even, it was a, it was a really small one. And I think there could have been a falling out at the very end between the production accountant and the producer and what have you. But um, just because, you know, it's a really small industry, we managed to, to sort of separately all come in and, and sign uh, um, the final the application for final certificate and just do it in a way that you know so that they didn't have to see each other or what have you just get all the information in and I think that's a big lesson to just you can't sort of force people sometimes it's just to sort of you know sit in there as the neutral party and try and 
try and sort of resolve it that way rather than enforcing your security. So the thing that's crazy about that story is that if it was a bank, you know, like a larger bank, that's not a film financing specialist bank, they wouldn't have someone checking cost reporting and they would just enforce the security at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Was that a problem? Was completion guarantor should have been aware of that change in the post-production services going overseas or was yes. it the producer had just not told anyone? Yeah, the producer hadn't told anybody. Um, I guess they, they didn't really think about it. Completion guarantor should have been across it. They weren't. It, you know, it wasn't a huge deal in the end. We got it sorted, but you just realise, like, historic, before that point in time, I think I would have relied on the completion guarantor to be completely across it and um, to know what was going on and inform us if it was going overseas. I want to ask you about areas that where problems arise before and during production that happen time and time again. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem that we see is closing your finance as you're going into pre-production because once you hit pre-production as a producer, you've got so much to do already. And we're seeing producers like closing finance, they're hitting pre-production. Some of them are even hitting the shoot and they're financing hasn't closed and that that could be because we are coming in at the last moment to replace a financier but just getting that finance in place well before pre-production we can see especially um, with emerging producers or really creative producers that once they go into pre-production then they take their eye off the the financing so we tend to um, to try and push that along as you know as soon as we can and um and just try and close so that they can just focus on the production within the um financing i think withholding tax is always missed and so that's just looking at if you've got funds coming in from overseas say from the us into australia or even europe or uk what what sort of um contribution is it is there withholding tax how much is the withholding tax and how do you deal with it whether um you deduct it from and so that's net into your finance plan or whether you've got an allowance in the budget for the withholding tax hedging is another big one that historically producers have just said look you know we'll take the risk but we did um the the rates just moved around so much last year that we did have a production company that took a massive hit and um and had to sort of like reduce its budget by i think it was nearly half a million wow animation and that's a lot you know and and they've been left with it so i think and with hedging these days it's not i wouldn't do it through well you can do it through your bank but there's specialist hedging companies out there that are, are really good they know what they're doing and you know they, they've got really you know really good rates as, as good as what we can get sort of wholesale with our relationships I think those are yeah those are the main two and sort of setting up everything sort of from a financier's point of view right from the very beginning so if you're reporting for your um, qualifying spend and just getting the reports all set up and so that that just makes it easier through production and um, when you go into final certification. Yeah. And I think at the end, that's that's the hard bit. Like you're, you're finishing and, you know, doing the final cost report and everything is, it's just, you know, it's tedious and it's boring and then getting prepping for audit and what have you. If you've got really good production accountant and post-production accountant, then all of that should be sort of like stored and ready to go, what have you. So it's worth actually having or investing in a good production and um, post-production accountant. 
Yeah, I actually really agree with you on the withholding tax. Sorry, and on the hedging point. I mean, the reality is, is that then they would dip into contingency or from post and it's like, well, you're going to need that money eventually. So. Yeah, exactly. So you were talking about how you spend your weekends and your nights thinking about solving problems. What are some of the the things that you've come up with? Well, I think cash flowing distributors without having to cash flow distributors is, is one of my biggest ones. How to sort of solve that. Different structures when you can't like take security over so your rights holder, we've, you know, we've made workarounds around that. What other things? I think it's like, um, and we we tend to get involved early in some of the financings. And that's when it's quite, that's really interesting because you can say, well, what about this? And what about, what about that? And, and sort of really help like get that project over the line. But yeah, and I think it's because we fit the financing to the project rather than just operating like a bank and having a, a credit application that you sort of like tick the box. We're sort of constantly molding and saying, well, okay, you know, you might be blowing out your finance fees here. Well, what, why don't we do this? Or um, looking at different risks as well. Like if you haven't, if you're not covered for COVID, then and you can't get access to um, the Australian insurance scheme, and I don't think there is an insurance scheme in New Zealand now, how do we work that and and how do we actually sort of cover that internally so that our investors are, are comfortable, we're really comfortable, and, yeah, just different ideas really. Have you worked that one out? Uh, well, there's been a couple of projects. Um, well, I think everyone is nearly different. And I'd say in Australia, because the broadcasters contribute so much to the budget, if you've got a very vanilla project, it's quite easy just to push the cash flow of the producer offset out into the sort of last week of the the shoot or the second to last week. And by then, you know, we're quite confident that the risk of abandonment would be very low. But in saying that in the budget, you've got extra contingency for a COVID shutdown or your COVID compliance as well. So I think we've seen that. We've seen on location offsets where you're not, you can't access the Screen Australia's temporary interruption fund. So we've seen a sort of a variety of workarounds whereby the um, broadcasters and distributors will come in with a plan of what to do or if there's an essential element, they could be covered for essential element insurance, but with the COVID exclusion, but there'll be replacement language so that, you know, if worse comes to worse, you could actually reshoot. So we're seeing, a, yeah, a lot more workarounds. And as I mentioned earlier, we do have our first project with COVID insurance, although I do need to go through that in detail to see exactly what it covers. It might be limited, but that is very project specific, I think, with the actor being Australian and um, shooting in a, in a studio in a very right. contained environment. Yeah. And it is, it's it's totally different for each project and, you know, whether you have an essential element in there or not. And then does that essential element actually bring finance to the project? Can they be replaced? Can they not? So, yeah. and we're seeing a lot of changes in terms of just the, you know, the cast and crew contracts as well and allowing for time if there is a um, shutdown. Yeah. I'm curious, can you share some of the creative solutions you've seen producers come up with to work around the fact that production insurance isn't covering COVID-related interruptions? Yeah. So um, there were like ideas of like shooting 
because uh, we had one that had like one episode to go or something like that or two episodes to go. So they actually had a body double um, that had worked with the production. So they were like re sort of writing things so that you could just see the back of somebody. And mm. then there was like a green screen and they were filming like over in LA. Yeah, all these things. And it's just, yeah. And then using like a, a stringer crew. What's that? Like when they like go in and like so the director's online but directing and they're they're shooting in another country wow cool yeah it's like the stuff that they that they came up with it was just incredible Zack Snyder's zombie flick on Netflix it's called Army of the Dead they ended up doing something similar to what it sounds like you did they they got this person and they just shot all of her scenes and her dialogue separately and then like interposed it into the film and if you didn't know that that's what happened you wouldn't know like you wouldn't notice you would just be watching this film having known you can see there's like a little fuzz around it you can tell around her yeah. yeah But, but otherwise, see, like, oh, it's, like, I wouldn't see it. I beat you. Yeah. I'm going to go watch it now. I beat you. I wouldn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, though, because it's so, they've done it so well where they look like they're looking at each other. There's no problem with, like, oh. the angles. It's all, I mean, Zack Snyder, I think, is very clever, as is his wife, yeah. who we should get on the podcast if we can. Yes. She would yeah. be amazing. Do you think yeah. overall that the Screen Australia and the producer offset unit are very happy with what Fulcrum's done in terms of making it accessible for a lot more people to use that fund and to be able to make their films in Australia or do you think that they're like shit Sharon keeps giving away all our money (laughs) (laughs) um I guess there's there is always like everyone always talks about the net benefit of of the industry that you know, the producer offset is not giving away money because it's generating so much income in the country. But have they ever come to you and been like, it's too much. You've actually done too well at, at making this accessible. I'm aiming to be a, um, a responsible financier and really work to the intent of the producer offset and the New Zealand grant and not, you know, like when we don't like projects that are pushing boundaries or anything like that, because I think, um, and you saw it in the UK, once you start to push boundaries, then um, you will lose it. And and I think the producer offset in the New Zealand grant, it's a lifeblood for this industry. Absolutely. And, and we can't lose it. So we have to be responsible. Oh, yeah, definitely. I just wondered whether you were just like, you'd exceeded the expectations of how much it was actually going to work. Like they kind of put this policy out there and go, someone might notice it. And you and <laughs> Emil and Barry, when you set up Fulcrum, were like, I, we know exactly what we're going to do with this and we're going to get oh. a bunch of stuff made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do remember like right, like years and years ago after we, you know, when we um, set up Fulcrum and Emil and I having a conversation about Avur uh, Media Finance and just like how they've, how they had built their portfolio and what a big portfolio that was and and you know we would never you know we would never we never thought that we'd get over 50 million but now you know just under 200 million in management it's crazy it's insane it's It's so cool how do you sleep at night (laughs) yeah can I borrow your credit card (laughs) (laughs) So I think something that, uh, I mean, no one knows 
everything and everyone, you know, gets stumped a lot of the time along the way. So when you have something that you're unsure about, is there someone that you go to or is there a resource to find that out? Yeah, I think the bond companies are a huge resource. And, you know, so so are the, the tax agents, accountants and the lawyers. And I guess after I did my institute director's course and we had the day on legal and I remember calling Mark at the end of the day just going, I'm so lucky to have access to these great lawyers, you know, both within Fulcrum and externally to Fulcrum to be able to pick up the phone and talk to you at any stage about something that's just amazing. And the same goes with the tax agents, like um, any issues that, and they're all like, everybody's so fundamentally nice in in this industry. Um, I hardly come across anybody that, you know, that you don't warm to and everybody just wants to help and and do a good job and, and get it right. And so I think they're really good. And the bond companies, it's just, it's worth having those relationships and, and taking time and, and chatting to those people. It's it's yeah. really good. It, ha- you, yeah, it helps me with clarity, that's for sure. Do you get that in reverse now as well, where people come to you for, you know, as a resource for advice that they need? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the financing or if they, if they're not sure how to do you know how to do something and and I encourage that like just pick up the phone because I think the worst thing is is that we, you know especially with emerging producers there, there are things like in the inter-party agreement and with the financing that like I just consider standard and normal and that everybody would know but not everybody knows and and we've had just recently an issue with a, a project in New Zealand where they didn't understand the mutual funding covenants in the inter-party and what that meant and and knowing that, you know, we have to draw down our loan on a certain date and as per a drawdown because that means that the bond is is fully on the hook and sort of understanding those sorts of things. So I really encourage producers to to talk to financiers about that. Like another issue that we, I often get asked about is, um, why do we take E&O insurance from the first day of principal photography? Because in Australia, I think the standard position for the for Screen Australia and the state agencies over the years is just to have it required from delivery. Whereas in the UK, the financiers have always had it from principal photography. And that's because like with E&O claims, of which we have seen a few, do come out just before completion. So you do need it in place before completion and delivery. So this leads us nicely into one of the questions that things that Charlotte and I were talking about today. Is there ever, I mean, I know you don't look at things creatively, but I also know that you will read scripts occasionally. So what are some of the things that you would care about in a script? So as an example, the thing that I remembered was with breath and there were insurance issues because of where it was being shot. Yeah, I always look at um, uh, like the locations and how you do it. But I guess because I've never produced, there's all these, you know, these all these sort of ways. But when you look at you no know, high risk locations and and what have you, and and yeah, so I sort of yeah, and as you say, like breath with the the water, like it would have been freezing as well, probably and shark infested and what have you. And I just look at things and just go, I have no idea how that is, you know, how that is done. And I think that's, and that's when I just think the producers are just amazing at like how they, because I just cannot conceive in my brain how that is all done. 
do the financing and figure out the returns and everything, but how they can sort of problem solve and and do what they do is just incredible. So Sharon, our final question to all our guests is, what does bankable mean to you? Oh, okay. Gosh, it's just, it's... As a banker, what does banker banker, mean? Yeah, it's like, what is the structure of that entity? Who owns that entity? Um, you know, so you've got to get behind all of that. What are the what are the accounts like? What are the forecasts like? Can they actually can they pay their commitments when their commitments are due? You know, is it um, you've got to what you know? I, I guess coming into it now is sort of content and ethics and all sorts of things as well. Like it's such a holistic sort of approach to bankable. Like years ago, I would have said bankable. What's bankable? Well, it's it's just accounts. Whereas now, I think it's it's more than just sort of like your financial situation. It's it's everything that's going on in the industry and the world at large, and having sort of I would say a bit more of an ethical and holistic approach to all of that rather than just rather than just financial movies inc the business of film is a podcast produced and hosted by us sarah mcfarlane and charlotte howley our music is pixel drips by marvig please visit our website at moviesincpod.com follow us on instagram at moviesincpod and follow subscribe and review the movies inc podcast wherever you get your podcasts